Today we're in Proverbs uh, chapter 2. We're going to continue this study as we are pursuing a wisdom with all our heart. And we're going to see in verses 1 through 4 the pursuit of wisdom. And then in verses 5 through 7, A, we're going to see the person of wisdom. In verses 7B through 20, we'll see the protection of wisdom. And then in verses 21 and 22, we'll close it up with the portion of wisdom. And so I remember reading a story about that uh, philosopher Socrates. And uh, there was a a young man that came to him and asked him uh, for him, Socrates, I, I want you to teach me knowledge. I want you to teach me wisdom. And so what Socrates did is right away he recognized this guy was a little uh, prideful. He kind of needed to to be mentored. And so what he did was he took him into the ocean and he took him up chest deep. And he, uh, Socrates was a very strong man. He held him under the water for 30 seconds. And so the man came up and Socrates asked him uh, again, why are you here? What are you looking for? And the young man said, oh, great Socrates, I want your knowledge, I want your wisdom. And so what Socrates did is he pushed him down again under the water, this time uh, for 40 seconds. And so he brought the man back up and he asked the young man, what are you looking for? And the young man said, I I want knowledge, I want wisdom, oh, great Socrates. And so before he could even finish that sentence, Socrates pushed him down again under the water. And this time he held him down for close to a minute until finally the young man, when he came up the last time, Socrates asked him, what are you you looking for? What are you seeking? And the young man just said, air, I just want air. And, uh, and, and Socrates said, when you want wisdom just as you want air, then you're ready to learn. And I, and I think a lot of times, you know, we can approach a Bible study, we can approach the book of Proverbs, and we're like, okay, we're, we're reading this again, and, you know, we're going to kind of go through the motions. But what God really, what he wants to teach us is a, is a life, it's a skill of living successfully in this spiritual realm that unless you hunger and thirst for it and want it like air, you, you know, you're not going to get it. But it's so cool when God can take anybody, you know, these guys that we don't have on a high IQ, we don't have maybe the education, we don't have all the things that perhaps the world thinks will make a, a, for a successful individual, but we have the Holy Spirit and we have a hunger for His Word. And when that's present, God is able to take any man or any woman and grant them wisdom. And so prayerfully we're approaching this study like that. Prayerfully we're approaching the book of Proverbs like that. Because I really do believe it can be life changing. And so notice what we read first of all. The pursuit of wisdom in verses 1 through 4. He says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And so in verses 1 through 4, we see eight imperatives and we see three ifs. Notice again there in verse 1, if you receive my words. In other words, we must be open to receiving the word. And then there in verse 3, he says, yes, if you cry out for discernment. 
And so we must be open to it, and we must be praying for it. And, and then in verse 4, he says, if you seek her as silver. And so we must be open to it. We must be praying for it, and we must be searching for it. You know, there are the three ifs. And we know, of course, the word if, it's a small word, but it makes all the difference in the world because not everybody seeks after wisdom like this. If you do, if you're receptive, if you're seeking like this, if you're crying out for wisdom, then you will receive it. You know, the word if, it's a huge word, isn't it? I mean, for me, I think probably one of the, the passages for our world today, for our church today, is Second Chronicles 7.14, and we keep coming back to it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, God says, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And that was in a time when Solomon was saying, Lord, if your people are scattered and if there's pestilence, and then there's the promise from God, there's a big if there. And so we have to search our hearts. We keep coming back to this. How is our prayer life? Have we humbled ourselves to the point of praying? Have we even done that? Has there been any change in our prayer life? And then even then it goes beyond that because then when you're praying, you're seeking. Are we seeking the Lord in our prayer life? And then as we're seeking the Lord, are we turning? Is there any change? So, so the word if, it, it may be small, but it makes all the difference in the world. The same thing with wisdom. If we want to receive it, if we're open to it, if we seek if we want these things, then God will grant. You know, we can go back way to the book of Genesis chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. You see, everything is dependent on that word if, if we do well, if we believe, if we seek, if we don't. And what we find is that, that the same is true regarding wisdom. The choice is ours. You know, some people, they, they blame it all on God, acknowledging his powerful sovereignty, but they need to look to themselves as well and rise to a personal responsibility. You know, this morning I was going through my devotions and uh, I was uh, reading through Second Chronicles chapter 20 when the, the, the king of Judah was being attacked by the Edomites and the Ammonites and, uh, and, he, and he looked around at this great multitude and the king said, we have no power against this great multitude, neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And when we think of wisdom, it's not just some intellectual thing. Wisdom is a hearing heart. Wisdom is, Lord, we don't know what to do in this situation. Lord, we have come to the end of our rope. Lord, we have come to our wit's end. We need not the counsel that the world might provide, not the things that I can kind of conjure up my own ideas. No, Lord, I need to hear your marching orders. We don't know what to do, Lord. We don't. We don't. We have no power against this great multitude. We have no power against this that we're facing right now. But our eyes are on you. 
And what God wants to encourage us in is to make those choices to do well. If you receive God's word, if you cry out for discernment, if you seek for her as silver, there's the three ifs and then there's the eight imperatives. And an imperative is a command. And we see that here in verses 1 through 4. First of all, he says, my son, if you receive my words. Secondly, he said, and if you treasure my commands within you. Now, do you treasure the truth? Is it a treasure to you? Is that how you view and value the Bible? You know, the Hebrew word translated treasure, uh, safan, it literally means to hide. It's the same word found in Psalm 119, verse 11, where the word says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so this is what he's saying, the three ifs, the, the eight imperatives you know, if we receive his word and treasure his commands, the third thing, so that you incline your ear to wisdom. And we have to incline our ear. Uh, you know how it is when you're living in an apartment and you're having problems making out the exact words that are being used in the argument of your next door neighbor. And so what you do is you put a cup to the wall and you tell the kids to be quiet because, you know, you're trying to hear what they're saying so you know how to pray, right, specifically. Uh, that, that kind of inclining our ear, that's what God is saying. Hey, your spiritual antennas need to go up higher. You need to be tuned in to this supernatural station of revelation. And, and you know, I know on a, on a midweek service, for those of you who are tuning in, maybe I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are, are, are inclined in, in hearing but hopefully it's for the right reason. Uh, I'm not just going through the motions. It's not just what I do on a Thursday night. Uh, I'm not just doing it so that I won't feel guilty. I'm seeking God. I'm praying. I'm living my life. I'm watching this Bible study because I want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want the living God to teach me and touch me. And that's what he's willing to do. But we have to receive his word. We have to treasure his commands. We have to incline our ear and then, and then fourthly, he says that we need to apply our heart. Notice again there in verse 2, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. And so it goes into our ears and then into our mind and we process it, but that's not enough. You want this word to land in your heart. You know, we don't want to be like the people Jesus spoke of in Matthew 15, verse 8. These people, they drew near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, we have to apply our heart to understanding. One translation in the NLT says, concentrate on understanding. Let it hit home. Let it resonate. Let it arrive there in our heart. I mean, I think we all know when our heart is in it and when it's not. You know, I, I yearn for the truth. I want to learn the truth because I want to live the truth. They, they say that wisdom is the proper application of biblical knowledge, and that'll only happen when your heart is in it. And, and then, fifthly, you cry out. Verse 3 yes, if you cry out for discernment. And that's not just praying normally. This is a cry for wisdom. 
It's a cry of desperation. It's a cry of realization. Like Solomon, when he knew the heavy responsibility that he had in leading the people of God, and many of us here, we have heavy responsibilities as husbands, as leaders, as people who are Christians and representing God, and we just realize that we cannot do this on our own, and so we are desperate for God's guidance, right, to lead us so that we can lead others. And that's why we, we cry out for, for wisdom. That's what Solomon did. The one thing I want, Lord, out of anything else, more than money, more than a long life, more than any of that stuff, Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me a hearing heart. And that's why James wrote that in James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let, us, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But then he goes on to say, but if you doubt, you're not going to get it. So there has to be you know, that, that cry, that, that prayer, kind of connected to the next thing there that we read in verse 3. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. You know, crying out is kind of like a, a desperation but lifting up our voice, it kind of has that aspect of direction. You know who you're praying to, right? Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, it's a song of a sense. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And, and when you think about that psalm, it's kind of cool because... You know, you're whatever, you're, you're living life, but you're lifting up your eyes, you know, and you see the hills, and it's almost kind of like you're looking for something. You're looking for someone, maybe yonder, maybe in the distance. You want to make sure that you connect. And, and that's kind of how this whole thing is. You know, are, are we, you know, longing for wisdom like we're longing for air? Are we coming up and saying, God, I need this to live my life for your glory and their good? You know, and so you're, you're crying out and you're lifting up your voice. You know, there are times we pray, you guys, and we pray, you know, moments of silence or hands are folded and eyes are closed. That's fine. But there are those times when we pray passionately and we, are, we pray loudly and we lift up our voice and our hands and our eyes to the one who hears our cries. And that's what he's saying right here. The, the first nine chapters, believe it or not, as he really, before he really gets into it, although we'll see some things along the way, the first nine chapters are, let me encourage you, let me persuade you to know how valuable this is and how we need to seek this and how God will bless us if we do. You know, I search some of you out there, you might know people who are, who are rich, but they, they lack wisdom. They're foolish. You know, and then you know some, and they're poor, but man, when you talk to them, talk about the wisdom of the counsel they give and the life that they live. And one day when they, you know, pass on and they go into glory, what a reward they will have. Why? Because of this. Because somewhere along the line, they understood the value of wisdom. And that's all he's saying right here. The three ifs, the eight imperatives. He tells us there in verse 4, to seek and to search. Notice if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. You know, there's nothing more valuable and it won't be found with anonymous or casual searching here and there once in a while. You know, it's this, you know, underneath the surface, it's digging for God's voice in one sense. I mean, 
I don't know if you've ever been in a situation maybe where you lost your keys and so you can't kind of go anywhere until you find them. You're in that search mode or maybe you lost jewelry. Have you ever lost your wallet and it's kind of heartbreaking? I know some uh, sisters even kind of misplaced or lost their wedding ring and you're searching for it like that. So valuable, right? Uh, but this is even more than that. Proverbs sixteen sixteen says, How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. You know, someone says, but Manny, we need wealth to live. It's true, but we need wisdom to live forever. You know, it's not just life below, but it's above. It's not just for time, but for eternity. It's more important than all those things. If you, you know, you... If that second job is keeping you from the things of God, then get rid of it. If that overtime is hindering your walk with God, then get rid of it. You know, it's better to live in a tent and flourish where righteousness and love is and have a mansion without God. Those are the types of things that we'll see in the book of Proverbs. And so verses 1 through 4, they have to do with just that passionate pursuit of wisdom. You know, I was reading about the life of King Edward VI, and I was so impressed by this young king of England, born in 1537, how as a young man, as a teenager, he would stand whenever he heard the word of God. And as he heard the word of God, he would take detailed notes. And then afterwards, what he would do is he would peruse those notes. He would study them carefully and thoroughly, and then after he was done doing that, he would seal the deal by meditating on the things that God had shown him. It's no wonder that even though he died young, the history books tell us that the transformation of the Church of England into a recognizably Protestant body occurred under the leadership of this young king. And that, that's what I'm talking about, where we're taking this seriously and we're pursuing that wisdom, which then leads to the person of wisdom. Notice what we read next in verse 5. It says, and Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Here we see after the the pursuit of wisdom is the person of wisdom and there in verse 5 we know that wisdom is synonymous with the fear of the Lord and we're going to talk about that for many weeks to come but wisdom is also synonymous with finding the Lord notice again there in verse 5 then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God uh, we see there in verses 6 through 7 that wisdom comes from the Lord. The Lord is the one who gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, and he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. You know, wisdom, it's all from him, it's all for him. And in one sense, we can kind of say that wisdom is him. It's God's guide to God, it's God's guide to godliness it's not just knowledge it's not impersonal it, it, this is a person his name is jesus we read about that in colossians chapter 2 and verse 3 it talks about jesus and it says in whom are hid all the treasures 
of wisdom and knowledge. You know, I thought it was interesting how here in Proverbs 2 and verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge. And whenever I read that type of mentality, I always think of Matthew chapter 4. I was wondering if you could turn there for a second. Because from, from his mouth comes wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge. And it's interesting here in Matthew chapter 4, when the devil tempted Jesus, we read in verse 3, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And you think about this story right here where Jesus was in the wilderness. He was uh, fasting for 40 days. Undoubtedly, he's hungry at this point. And the devil comes and, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a bread man. I love bread. And imagine how good the bread would have been that God would have made by turning those stones to bread. But, but you know, the Jesus, Jesus says, hey, you know, he quotes Deuteronomy. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. This is how I live. This is how I live, by, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I'm telling you, Christian, that's how we're to live. Now, of course, we know it has to do with the scriptures. He guides us with his word. But I'm telling you that every single time you pray and you get down on your knees, the living God will speak to you from his mouth. God will speak to you. God will lay things on your heart. God will give you guidance. That's why whenever you hear things and you know, people... You know, they'll come and they'll make suggestions or different things like that. Always take it to prayer. Always take it to the Lord because it's there. The whole concept of wisdom in Solomon's uh, vernacular, it was that understanding heart. It's a hearing heart. The Hebrew word is shama. It's related to shema, that, oh Lord, hear, O Israel. And so it comes from the mouth of God. The mouth, God's going to tell me when I'm supposed to eat. Not you, devil. And so that's the whole concept. And so later on, it's kind of interesting in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus goes up on the Sermon on the Mount, it says in verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them. You see, and that's what God will do. You know, I love uh, the fact that we have the scriptures, and we have the New Testament. Every single one of those books was related to an apostle. It's apostolic. And so it is the teachings from the mouth of Jesus. And so back in Proverbs, we have the the pursuit of wisdom. I pray you would want it more than air. But then there's the person of wisdom. And I pray you would understand that we would understand that is rooted in a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But then we continue on here to the protection of wisdom because without this wisdom, we're sunk. Look at verse 7 again. It says in verse 7b that he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. 
So in, in the world, I mean, in one sense, like if you can kind of like picture it this way, there, there's, a, there's a lion out there. Every time you go out, man, every time you wake up, there's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And the only hope that we have is that we would walk in, in wisdom, that we would know God's will and have the power to do God's will. Apply it. And that's what wisdom does. He is a shield. Again, going back to the person, he is a shield to those who walk wisely, uprightly. Psalm 84, 11, it says something similar. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And, and those who walk uprightly are the wise guys. They're not the fools out there. That's why this is so important. It doesn't mean that we won't get hit with hardships. It just means that we as his people will only get hits with what he permits. And if he allows those hits, that pain, then there's a purpose. And so we know as we read this that there is this protection, there is a shield. Surely he's our shield. God is our guard. And so we see it's kind of interesting in, in this chapter that he primarily deals with two people in this case that God's going to protect us from. Number one, the evil man in verses 12 through 15. And then number two, the immoral woman in verses 16 through 20. Notice what we read right here in verse 12. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. And so what God wants to do is he wants to deliver us. And that word, it means to take away, uh, to snatch away. It means to rescue from ruin. And that's what God does when he uh, wedges that wisdom into our hearts. It's just so cool where we see an evil man that somehow, some way he made his way into the, that person's life. Maybe it's somebody you met at school or maybe it's somebody you met at, on the job. Or maybe it's even someone that you grew up together and you were best friends, you were blood brothers, whatever. You started going to church together. But somehow, somewhere along the line, this man, the Bible says, left the paths of uprightness. We see that there again, if you notice in verse 13, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. And so that man that left, he, he used to walk there, but now he left. Somehow he's a magnet to draw you away. Maybe he's got money. Maybe he's having fun. And, and what happens is they fall away. Then a lot of times that can lure us away as well. You know, a person who falls away, it's interesting, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, they don't normally just fall away, they drift away. And that's why it's so important to be wise. That's why it's so important to be in the Word. That's why it's so important to have a hearing heart, because God will guide you, God will guard you. You know, they're, they're not engaged in the pursuit of wisdom and all those things that we read through. They're not really into the person of wisdom. They're not really interested in that personal relationship with God. And so the enemy tries to use them to tempt us to go with that flow. My prayer is that when the, this whole thing we see as we're getting tested as a church, 
that when this trial is over, that we will be stronger. But I'll tell you what, you guys, this world is getting shaken up. Everyone's getting shaken up. Everyone's getting attacked. I mean, if you can visualize it, I mean, the book of Hebrews, it talks about, man, things are shaking. And when it's all said and done, at the end of the day, who's really going to come back? My, my prayer is that we'll come back stronger. But we have to be wise. We have to be, Second Chronicles 7.14, helping ourselves, praying, you know, seeking and turning. And that's what we see right here. He says, hey, you got to watch out because unless you have wisdom, then you won't have that protection. But if you do, then you will protection from the evil man. You know, what we find right here is, is a lot of it has to do with the influences we have in life. You know, eventually I had to come to a place where Jesus Christ was my best friend. I had to. When I first got saved, coming out of the world and having these lifelong relationships, you know, and, and I had to, to break free. I tried so hard to bring him in. It didn't happen back in that day. And so, you know, who's, what am I going to do? You know, Jesus had to be my best friend. And then even in, in the church, we praise God for all the people that are our friends. And, you know, we fellowship together and the brotherhood is, is beautiful. But ultimately, you know, the, the primary influence of my life is Jesus. And that's what we see here. Because what if one day one of those guys went sideways? You know, prayerfully we go, we bring him back. But what, what we're reading right here, because I've seen it over the years. I've been a Christian for close to 30 years. Many people have fallen away. Many. And that's why we need wisdom. That's why... You know, for me, to be honest, even though I get to study and read and I get, I'm so blessed to be able to serve in the church, I have to read my proverb every day. I have to read my Bible every day. If I don't, I feel like something's missing and I feel like I'm, you know, sliding. And again, not a legalistic relationship, but that's my personal conviction because I have seen people, unfortunately, over the years who don't abide. And here are these guys, you know, they, they used to walk there now they don't. The person that you know Solomon is writing to is says, "Hey, if you you're wise, then it will protect you from those guys." Let me ask you a question: Who is your best friend? Is it a Christian? Should be, and it shouldn't just be a best friend Christian. Hopefully, you guys are are being you know used by the Lord to build each other up. Hopefully there are people that will speak truth to your life. You know, the Proverbs, it says in chapter 12, verse 26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. And so who's your best friend? And then secondly, who's your girlfriend? And of course, I know some of you guys are married, so I don't want to sound weird or anything. But, but look what it says in verse 16. It says, to deliver you, not just from the evil man, but from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. 
You know, and, and I'll tell you what, guys, um, and this is not just for the guys. Of course, it's also applicable to the gals. Um, man, I pray that we would die with integrity. You know, this right here, and that's why I love to read the Proverbs because it's just saturated with so many warnings in this area of our life. You know, here we see she lures with her looks, but she hooks with her words. And her heart pitter-patters with the way that she flatters, right? And, and you think, wow, she sees what my wife doesn't see. Finally, a woman who has a proper perspective, right? And, or the ladies, maybe you get that attention from some other man. The attention that your husband is neglecting to give you, and he's smooth, right? He's a smooth operator. And first there's the friendship, and then the flattery, and then the flirting, and finally the fall. No, we have to be so careful. He talks about that right there, that the flattery. Notice in verse 16, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. You know, flattery, it's not communication, right? It's manipulation. It's telling us things about ourselves that we enjoy hearing and we wish uh, were true, like we're going bald. And she says, I like your receding hairline. Or something like that, you know. Oh, Manny, I like your gray hair and your wrinkles. They show, I know, such character, stuff like that. You know, really, um, uh, as my wife, you know, thinks differently. And as Christian men who know about the war, and, and then what ends happening, we get a little wisdom. We begin to realize that the only reason the girl is interested in me is because the devil is. And, and we learn this as we're reading through the Proverbs. Proverbs 6.26, it says, For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. You know, Proverbs 7.26, it says, For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. It's so sad how we see here in verse 17 that not only is this immoral woman a married woman, but she also used to attend church. Notice again in verse 17, she forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. And so she's married, doesn't matter. You know, she used to go to church, now she doesn't. I mean, what we see right here is it can happen in the church, it can happen anywhere. And so we always have to make sure that our heart belongs to God number one if you're married you got to make sure your heart belongs to your wife you have to make sure you weed out any wickedness and you don't allow any lusts to linger because what we're seeing right here is not only uh, Solomon giving a promise that hey Manny if you're a wise guy you'll be protected but it's also a warning in the same way in the, in the process like hey this is what will happen to you if you don't pay attention. Notice again in verse 18, for her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the path of life. And, and you know, I mean, God can forgive and only the Lord knows how all that works, but it's never the same. There is a heavy warning right here. And I was going through different commentaries and trying to figure out, well, what exactly does it mean that they never regain the paths of life, that kind of like none return? 
And there is that general principle that once you start going down that road of, of pornography and lust and adultery and sexual immorality, that it's just this dark uh, chasm that many men never make it out of, number one. And then number two, if you do make it out, my friend, it'll never be the same. It was never the same for David. A lot of people like to use David as a poster child and say, well, look at him. He was a man after God's own heart and he fell and God still loves him. Yeah, but did you see what it did to his family? Again, let God forgive you. If that's something that has happened to you in your life, let God forgive you. Don't let the enemy beat you up. But whatever you do, don't ever say, hey, I can go into it and I can come out of it and I'll be the same because you won't. The Bible says they never regain the paths of life. And so it's interesting when you look at this. Uh, for us in, in the church, I know it can happen. You know, one of the things that's helped me as a pastor is to understand that this is family and these are my sisters. You know, First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 2, it says that's how we're supposed to see the ladies. They are our sisters and we look at them with purity. Many warnings in the book of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 27, it says, Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. You know, we've seen things happen over the years, and it is just devastated. It is ravaged. Again, not saying that a person can't come back to this personal relationship that they have with God, but what it does, I cannot articulate the pain and the devastation it does to the disciples. And so if we're on this side of it, my encouragement to you is if you're flirting with fire, if you're dancing with the devil, if you're negotiating with any of that nonsense, knock it off now. My prayer is that our hearts would be pure. And that's what this is all about. God wants to protect us from the evil man. God wants to protect us from the immoral woman. You know, looking at this chapter, this is so beautiful. Number one, the pursuit of wisdom. Uh, my prayer is that, Lord, I, I want to be a wise guy. I, I will pursue it. I will read. I will take notes. I will peruse those notes. I will meditate on the things that you show me so that I can make an impact on this world that you've called me to serve, Lord. And so I will pursue wisdom. And I know that the pursuit of wisdom has to do with the person of wisdom. His name is Jesus. And I will enter into this relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's the, the protection of wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for protecting me, for being my shield, for showing me how to live. And if I, if I walk wisely and upright with integrity, there is a shield that you are to me. And, and then the last thing is, is the portion of wisdom. Because at the end of the day, this is what happens in verse 21. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. You know, the the end of the day, the, the portion is the, the portion we've chosen. You know, if you choose God, if you choose His love, if you choose His Word, if you choose the Holy Spirit... If you choose to do things his way, none of us will be perfect, but we have a passion to be proper. You know, I, I want to learn it so that I can live it. I want to be wise beyond my years. 
I want to know this book. I want to know every single book of the Bible. I want to know the Hebrew words. I want to know the Greek words. I want to know the cross-references. I want to know the interpretation of it, God, because I know even as your word says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they which testify of me, that if I know your word, I'll know you. And when we have that, that passion, that heart, that love for the Lord and his word, he says right there in verse 21 that we're going to dwell in the land and we'll, re, we'll remain in it. And, and for the Jews, that was a huge thing, man, because, you know, that was the, the land that God had given to them. You know, God had promised it to Abraham going out. He didn't even know where he was going, but God had this land for him and his descendants. And eventually God vomited the Canaanites out and he gave them this beautiful land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a beautiful land, a beautiful life. This was where they belonged. And all they had to do was just follow the Lord and serve the Lord. Make sure there was no idols in their life. Not get influenced by the ways of the world and the inclinations of the flesh. Just follow the Lord and God would bless them there in the land. But when, unfortunately, they went sideways and they had idols in their heart, God had to take them out of the land. So what God wants to do is to keep us in this land, this promised land, this land of victorious Christian living. And the way that we can stay there, my friend, is by understanding the importance of wisdom and just coming to that place. Again, not that we're going to know everything, but we have a hearing heart and we know our shepherd and he leads us through life and we pray. And each and every day he speaks to us and he shows us things and he tells us how to be a, a husband or how to be a dad or how to to be a friend or how to be a servant. It's a hearing heart. And then we're, we're in the land. But if, if we choose not to, if people choose not to, then there's this portion right here. And it, it says in verse 22 that the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. And so it's something that it is now. Yes, it's now, but it's also forever. It's a choice that God will honor. Do you want him or, or not? If you don't, he won't force you. And you'll live and you'll spend eternity without God. But if you do, if you say yes, then what God says, I will give you this land both now and forever because the meek will inherit the earth. And so praise God. You know, I, I know you guys are, are tuning in uh, to a, a midweek study and all these different studies that we have, praise God for the, the men and the nursery and the children. And we got other studies coming up, Spanish and, and women's devotions. I'm so excited about all these things. But, but it's because you are hungry for the word of God. And, and as you have that hunger satisfied, then God, I believe with all my heart, that's been the key to my life. He will bless you especially in times like this, you know. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but in, during this pandemic, they say that the, the sales of Bibles has skyrocketed. Um, I was reading a, one uh, article today that Marcus actually sent us, and it says, uh, Bibles, workbooks, and the plague meet the pandemic's best-selling books. The hottest book in the town right now is the Holy Bible. 
Over the last month, Tyndale House Publishers, one of several companies that sells Bibles and other religious texts, has seen a 44 and 60% jump in two of its major Bible editions. I was reading one company that said they uh, experienced over a 100% increase in Bible sales. And, and that is encouraging, you know, because basically I was reading one article and said, it was kind of cool, it said that, that people were looking to God for comfort. And I thought that was so cool because at the end of the day, that's what we're going to close with. It's not just reading the, the Bible and it's not just hearing the Bible study and it's not just even teaching the Bible study. It's, it's living it out. And that's what God is calling us to do. It's a life of wisdom where we have this proper application of biblical knowledge. Amen. Amen. Praise God.